0: This is the one with
1: moons of madness, the beard of the sky demon, the hounds of hell, and the bursting sons of
0: Banzar. It's called the pirate planets. Here, Here we, we go. go. <laughs> <laughs> We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Thal and Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? And subscribe and rate night iTunes please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this Odyssey, what other choice could there be than? Who back when? Who back when? when? By the left frontal lobe of the sky demon <laughs> Demon <laughs> podcast land Hello and welcome to yet another marvellous episode Of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast Or Doc Pass mundo. That lovely voice belongs to None other than The one The only It's Jim Hello Jim <laughs> Hello My voice belongs to me I am Leon Hello there podcast land And we are going to be talking about the pirate planet today oh hell yeah c099
1: yep we've got a nice flake of an episode here
0: <laughs> that's right yeah.
1: 99p flake for those out there who didn't understand
0: uh, anyone outside of this country <laughs>
1: <laughs> or just a young person that, like, oh also you yeah. get a flake in an
0: ice cream for 99p uh, what w- w- what's a pee? <laughs> <laughs> The very first Douglas Adams serial. Ooh. Mm-mm. The first of three, I believe. Let's see here. There's this. There's City of Death. There's Shardar, which was never produced properly. Yes. Or completed, rather. Nice. Yeah. And it is pretty bonkers, pretty bananas. And it's shocker with hitchhiker vibes and references. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah.
1: Oh, don't yeah. It. <laughs> the whole look of the main captain guy... Oh felt very Hitchhiker's TV production.
0: That's true. Yeah. I've never actually finished the TV miniseries. I've only seen like the first episode, I think. Oh, that's worth watching. Yeah. And actually a lot of the dialogue very Douglas Adamsy, some of the comebacks of the Doctors, Douglas Adamsy, and a lot of lines either lifted from or clear references to Hitchhiker's Guide. Which apparently uh, he was writing at the time of this. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. So I don't know the material well enough to I think to have picked up on all of it, but
0: I only picked up on a couple of things, and then the rest of it I found in the trivia section. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> well, you will have to
0: trivel Isis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try and stop me. But before we get into all that, shall we maybe treat Podcast Land's earballs to a lovely bite-sized chunk of who? Oh, that would be amazingly nice of us to do that. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, labify and summarize. So take a view and and grab a brim and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who? who. (laughs) Bite-sized chunk of who? Continuing their quest to find all the pieces of the key to time, Doc and Romana head to the planet Calufrax. When they materialise, however, it seems they are in the right place at the right time, but on the wrong planet. Rather than a desolate and cold surface, they find the pleasantly climbed homestead of a people predisposed to the proferations of precious pebbles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> Capitalist kook and cyborg corsair the captain rules with a literal iron fist. And a robot parrot on his shoulder, materializing his hollow planet shell around unsuspecting worlds to mine them for minerals, gemstones, and a precious life force. Polly wants a crackpot scheme. You got it, Polly. If only there were a band of marauding telepath monks and some poorly educated, dynam obsessed yokels to add more bananas to this fresh, cold smoothie of an episode. Beescow over.
0: over. You, you are, are welcome. welcome. Mm. Aren't you just. <laughs> That is crazy bananas as plots go. And that's not even the half of it. You're right. Where do you want to begin? Where are we starting? Oh my, I don't know. Do you have a question? Oh. I guess I do have a number of questions. Yeah, okay. All right. Here's a question for you. So the captain, his whole plan, the reason that people really revere him, though goodness knows why he needs them to, is because he materializes the planet around new planets That just an automated mining system empties of jewels and gives to the people. Yeah, and they feel really enriched by this. They feel wealthy. It's thanks to him that they are so rich. They're so rich that they don't actually give a shit about jewels because they just they're lying around on the street. One dude just gives a handful of jewels to Romana. They don't care about them. But there's, I mean, it seems like there's only one little settlement on this planet, and everyone's equally rich. Yeah. So I feel like this is not how commerce works. Like this, <laughs> I don't think this is in aid of anything from their point of view. Wouldn't this just devaluate or yeah. devalue their...
1: I mean, gemstones are valuable because, because are, they're rare.
0: Exactly. So now there are tons of them. Gemstones are not rare anymore. Everyone has lots of them. They need to use something else as their currency.
1: But also, what does it matter if, like you say, if everyone is suddenly rich...
0: Yeah, you can't buy anything with these gemstones. No. What are you going to do? You can't go to a different settlement that doesn't have gemstones.
1: Like They're, they're useful if they have a purpose beyond monetary value. Exactly. Which we or see if, is part of the plot a little bit. Yeah, but.
0: Or if they go to a different town where no one has jewels, and then yeah. they trade those jewels for something else that is more valuable to them. But everyone seems to live in the exact same houses <laughs> Yeah, and have lots of jewels.
1: And there's no implication that this planet... Trades with other planets.
0: No, I mean, they're, they're absolutely not, because they don't even know what stars are. They just know them as the lights in the sky. Indeed, yes. Even though they can fly in flying cars, <laughs> yeah. they don't know about space. No. Nope. <laughs> they don't really know about
1: the automated mining thing, I I think. Well, they know that it's automated. They know it exists, and people don't run
0: it. okay. Yeah. They know about machines and whatnot. How do these people <laughs> survive? What do they do?
1: It's, like, they are oppressed. Let's put that out there. They...
0: Are they, though? Yeah, okay, yeah,
1: sorry. They are off. They are not yeah. free people.
0: No, but do they want to be?
1: Well, the, the random band that we see in this serial want to be. Or at least...
0: But I have a feeling that the only reason they want to be Is because a generation ago The dad in the family Or maybe the older brother in the family Some some man, a generation ago-ish Was taken by the mentiads These telepath monks uh, Or was all about to be taken by the mentiads And the gods killed him before he got taken by them Oh yeah That's the only reason they're Well, one of them anyway Wants to stage a revolt The
1: elder son or whatever of that family Cornflakes Cornflakes <laughs>
0: I don't remember his name. It might as it's, well be. I think it might be Pralix. Yeah. No. Oh, no. Oh, Chimus. Or oh. Chemus. Who's Chemus? one <laughs> of them. <Weetemix. laughs> Edifix.
1: I've forgotten who's who. Yeah, I, I have to say, and we've both said this off air, so this might be a bit of a difficult conversation to have. None of us really knew who any of the characters' names were yeah. throughout the entire thing. <laughs> I now have Wikipedia in front of me with a list of names. And, I, and they mean nothing. I'm not quite sure who that is. Sorry. <laughs> Yes, I remember Chemus. Uh, no, Chemus is the main one. He's the one that is hanging um, around towards the end of the serial.
0: Is he the mentiad or is he the main one who is not a mentiad?
1: He's not the mentiad, so pri- okay. Products must be the mentiad.
0: Bingo! There you go.
1: Yeah, weezafix. But yeah, <laughs>
0: weezafix. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so, so we yeah, I was think, we've thinking. We literally helped no one with get, this. A, <laughs> get, a,
1: get a fix and dogmatics. That's why I was thinking. <laughs> Yeah, Chemas definitely is not happy with the status quo. Yeah. He ha- yeah, that's true. Hasn't I don't think we've we've got any hint that he's been trying to rebel.
0: But this is because his dad or his girlfriend's dad was taken.
1: But his dad or his that's the only reason why His dad he... or his girlfriend's dad reversed. It, the old man in this episode is very much, don't rot the boat.
0: Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's true.
1: And he's the one that tells us about...
0: Okay, of so he's captured. like the dad. Oh, fuck it. So someone in the family got killed by gods because he was about to be yeah. turned into mentiad. That action is, I think, the only reason he is against the captain. Everyone else seems super happy and only super happy because the captain gives them jewels. Do you yeah, think they eat know. jewels? Do you think that's what these <laughs> <laughs> subsist on? It's their <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. By the way, also, very recently did we have a serial where no one knew what the lights were. Only one serial yes. ago, in fact. Everyone was just looking up at the lights in the sky, and one of them, whatever his name was, uh, was like, oh, yeah, oh, the heretic. Binro. Binro the heretic, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, I have a feeling that those are suns up there. Yeah. Yeah one serial later same same thing
1: in a combined arc of serials
0: actually yeah
1: you're <laughs> right <laughs> like, maybe it's a theme maybe it's an intentional theme if it happens in the next all one all these players are just full of stupid people yeah maybe that's harsh. Sorry. I don't, I don't mean they're stupid. Tool. They they haven't got to the point where they understand.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's fine. They're a pre warp civilization.
1: Or, or they've been oppressed to the point they don't understand.
0: Also possible. But okay, hang on, wait. Shall we get back to the captain? You wanted to talk about the captain. Just because
1: he's. Is he literally the first thing that we see? My first note is the I think mo- so. Moons of Madness
0: line. Oh. <laughs> that's a hell of a look it would make for fantastic cosplay i'll tell you that oh yeah i love the robot parrot as well the parrot is awesome <laughs>
1: <laughs> the whole thing is a weird kind of cheesy semi low budget mess yeah but then it's really <laughs> obvious they've spent a lot of budget in this cereal I, I got that impression anyway like there are so many locations so many yeah. interiors So many costumes.
0: There are are both location shots and cool sets. Yeah, definitely. We get another factory or power plant or something like that.
1: Apparently it's a nuclear power station.
0: Oh, cool. I wonder if it's the same one that we've had before. Then, um, do you remember Hand of Evil that was shot in the power plants? Uh, I want to say yeah. that the silos in uh, whatever it was called, Robots of Death, were maybe also shot at some sort of power plant. But So we have that power plant. We have the mine, which presumably is attached to the same quarry that we normally get to see. But now we yeah. get to see the actual mining operation. Yep. The captain's bridge set is awesome. I, I love it. Yeah, pretty good And then there's the town And the town looks a little bit like um, Whatever the place is called The visitor uh, The um, prisoner (laughs) The visitor What the shit am I saying? Oh, port
1: Port Miriam Is that right? Port Marion Marion Yeah, I think so Close
0: Oh, and a heath
1: It also looked a bit like The sort of villas you see in Star Trek
0: From, do you mean the miniature of it? The miniature was lovely the miniature was lovely. Yeah, it, not, it looked like Matera. If anyone's been to Matera in southern Italy, it looked exactly like that. <laughs> no, I was thinking
1: the scene where there are gems lying around or where the, oh, the flying yes. cars are. That
0: kind of... Like that one set that gets yeah, reused in so many TNG just episodes. It's from a
1: couple of episodes. Yeah, it looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agrees. Which is not a disservice to it. No. Star Trek has way more budget than Doctor Who is. So Absolutely. If so if you're looking a bit like that, you're doing what
0: well. I think you're right. I think they threw a lot of cash on this.
1: And I think the visual effects they would did... With the exception We'd... of the laser
0: thingies, which I did not like. Yeah. I but they'd, they'd found a new way of overlaying graphics. The parrot flying around, for example... Is that what you're thinking? I was thinking more of And when they're in a um, fine car.
1: There is there's an earlier scene where there's like a circular thing overlaid, but right at the end where the telepathy scene happens. Yeah. And you get Tom Baker and
0: oh, Mentiad yeah. Guy looking over. at the spanner.
1: Yeah. It's just that way spanner. like it doesn't have to be a very obvious cut out green screen thing to sit on top or it doesn't look terribly fuzzy around the edges when they've overlaid something on top of another. You know, it seems that if they've worked out a blending technique. Yeah, that's that, true. That didn't look and so terrible. And the spanner
0: terrible. itself, in fact. Yes, that's true actually. Which I think, um, I think you're right. I think that's why they use that particular technique. ad nauseum in this serial. We have the spanner. We have them in there. We have the parrot flying around. We have the parrots like the bird versus dog scene, for example. <laughs> yeah. We have the flying car. Yes, I think all of those are, in fact, the exact same, st- the same effect, and the uh, the high speed travelator. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, BBC. But wait, hang on. Back to the back to the <laughs> captain. <laughs> Why are we not talking about the captain? <laughs> he's like the most elaborate he's, character. He's a good launching point. <laughs> he really is. Wait, wait, which pirate paraphernalia does he have? He has the pirate. We've already said. Yes. He has kind of an eye patch. He does. Uh, what else? Not well, a hook, but he has a robot hand. As
1: I was to say, that, well, the fact that he doesn't have all his limbs, I guess,
0: is a is already pirate a thing.
1: pirate thing. Yeah, he doesn't say "r," but he does do the kind of cursing as a a seaman might do, as, <laughs> as like the uh, Captain Haddock of Tintin. Yeah, exactly. Might, yeah.
0: Blistering barnacles, <laughs> yeah. Blue blistering <laughs> barnacles. <laughs> well, that might be it. And then okay, uh, yeah. his clothes as well, to a certain degree, that red. Not sash, like, demi-suit jacket that he's wearing, out of which the robot arm is protruding. Yeah. But so what is the story of this guy? He was an actual space pirate. I saw in trivia that there's a novel, possibly the novelization of this, I'm not sure now, but the, he, this character has turned up in a novel as well, in which it was clarified that he had been marauding across a certain sector of space with his pirate buddies, causing havoc and, and killing lots of people and stealing lots of stuff. And then at some point, pre this serial, he crashes on the planet yeah. in his spaceship, which we don't see. No. Well, as in, we'd never get to see a spaceship, I think.
1: No. It's, it's described at like as a, a grey ship gray that little.
0: landed from the heavens. Yeah. Because yeah. these people are primitives. Yeah. Yeah. Including the queen who ruled them before. There was a queen, right? Zangxia. We say she's a primitive? Well, she was one of them. She was one of the regular planet inhabitants. They talk about her
1: living for hundreds of years. Oh, that's true. Is that just after the captain crashed? So, this...
0: Because here's the disconnect that I would like to connect. He lands on a fairly primitive planet, and because he has access to technology, he can then manipulate everyone. He can he can make things happen. But someone who is also fairly advanced, namely the Queen and her adjutants, have put him back together. He's on a planet without cyborgs, but someone has turned him into a cyborg. Yeah. Did he teach everyone about... How to dematerialize a planet and rematerialize a planet? They're on a planet where no one even knows about outer space.
1: I think this whole underdeveloped education through oppression.
0: Oh, I see. I see. Has been going
1: on because the oppressed people refer to the queen as being horrible as well. Like their society was on its knees. She had ruined them somehow.
0: No, that's true. So I I get the feeling that they were quite advanced at one point.
1: Yeah, there's there is technology. There is understanding at some level going on here. And then the fact that the captain crashes has just given her the queen a puppet. I I don't know if he's given her anything really beyond that. Maybe maybe there was a bit of technology in there about the dematerialization, rematerialization stuff. I don't know.
0: I got the impression that that was certainly his invention.
1: It it would fit, because you assumed that they weren't doing that before.
0: Yeah, but then, I mean, he needs lots of people. He has scientists around him. Yeah. And they seem to know a whole lot more about what's going on than he does at times.
1: Well, there's a lot. The main
0: scientist, whatever his name is. Mr. Fibuli. Fibuli,
1: yeah. Mr. Mr. Fibuli.
0: Mr. Fibuli certainly knows more about minerals on different planets than the captain does, I think.
1: Yeah, I think there is a, a split between the populace. I think you're right.
0: Yeah, and and presumably they were relatively advanced, and then through this form of oppression, maybe like they were no longer allowed to read books, they were no longer whatever. Yeah, I don't really know why. Like, why do you... not to question him? But so the, that... but then we get back to the motivations. It's like yeah, maybe he made them really, really dumb and undereducated in order to get them to believe that having pockets full of jewels but nothing to do with them <laughs> would be worth it well, I mean, he, wh- why why does he need them well he doesn't this is the thing why he, does the queen need them then
1: yeah that's why I, don't, I like she obviously wants to stay alive she's literally on the point of the brink of death yeah for a very very long time like we're not quite sure how slow she's aging she's aging slightly v-
0: yeah it's Even though we get to see her breathe there. Uh, okay, yeah. So, for, to clarify, for in case anyone out there has not seen this serial, and you really should watch this serial, I think. It's a legendary one. It's a Douglas Adams serial, for goodness sake. And it's yeah. Tom Baker's. Fantastic. The, well, I say fantastic. <laughs> um, the, the Queen was incredibly old, was suspended in time. Like, time was slowed down just for her using a, a time dam or a temporal dam. Yeah. And so she is hundreds of years old, and her psyche is projected into a holographic younger. The apparition of a younger woman who is slowly but surely being turned. made manifest. She is a hologram, but she is m- slowly but surely turned into a real person, weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird because, spoiler alert, they turn off the hologram at the end, and there's no body there. It is a hologram. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. To keep her physical body suspended that takes energy which they get from these planets that the pirate planet eats up effectively
1: yes the the exactly process i mean i guess every queen needs something subjects to rule over and at some point she will regain her throne she will be the queen again recognized as yeah the, the true leader
0: okay i have another question for you so she purports to be the captain's nurse yes why for whom for whose benefit? The people have never seen her, they've never even seen the captain. They don't know what any of them look like or where they are. And everyone on the bridge seems to know that she is really the queen. Did they? Well, Phibuli certainly knows. The captain certainly knows. The guards all follow her orders. That's true, actually, yeah. Although they do pause. Oh, they pause at one point and the captain goes, yeah, do as she says. But, I mean, at first, they're about to follow her orders. Yeah. She's very very arrogant towards the captain and no one tells her to stop it and respect him. Like, why would she need to hide there? Would, someone needs to have built the time dam and keep her physical body, you know, alive. Maintain that technology. So all of those people must know who she is. He's saying that she should have just been the queen. She should have just been the queen. Yeah. Exactly. It only makes sense for her to pretend to be the uh, the nurse if that's all made in public. But the yeah. people have never seen the captain, so that's not in public.
1: No, that's very fair. She should have been emperor to... Captain Starfader.
0: Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Instead, she's the uh, undercover gray eminence of Cardinal Richelieu. Yeah. Back to the captain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I don't know, because he's obviously a focal point of the serial, visually, yeah. audibly, it's certainly. I'm not sure if it's a very deep character, actually. Oh, like, uh, no, not at all. It, it could be. Like, I can see how they brought him into a novel, if it's more than what is presented. Like, there's a lot of interest there you could delve into. Yeah. But I think what we're presented with is fairly two-dimensional, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hinted at something else towards the end of it, where he actually turns into this rather sad character, this involuntary henchman. yeah. Who has no? He's just being controlled by her. He is a puppet. The cyborg arm and probably all the tech that goes into his head is just controlling him.
1: I don't know. I I didn't quite like how that played out actually because it didn't seem like it was entirely control. It seemed more like she had control of his arm, literally. Yeah. Because he's trying to resist it. He's well. He's, at one point, I think he was trying to stab her. Yeah. And towards the end. She yeah. She presses the button and he like goes. Oh okay, I won't. Yeah.
0: Or well, possibly. Yeah, is it that or is it that she presses a button that is the obey button and therefore he obeys? Potentially. I feel like he is holy moly. Have you seen Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone? Yes. You know when he goes into the Badlands and he meets that family of cannibals, like two or three brothers and their dad? I don't And they're gonna kill that clearly. Well anyway, so there's one guy, he has an old school stereo volume knob on his forehead and it's used to make him angrier. Wow But he's just He's hes a cyborg He was injured at some point They put lots of metal on him And now they have a literal switch That makes him do stuff
1: That's this dude Okay if I mean if that's what it is I think so I don't I just didn't buy How much of an arsehole he was <laughs> Throughout the rest of the serial I guess the thing is He always had a little background plan Of freeing himself
0: Yeah Not that I really understand how he did that, by the way. All of a sudden he just pulls out some circuitry towards the end and apparently that's the circuitry that she uses to control him.
1: He has a plan of using... So she's just taking the fuel from the planets to get energy to keep her time dam working. Yeah. He wants to... And to turn herself into a real person. Yes. He wants to save the compressed version of the planets and then use something to do with that. Is that what the... Black hole technology stuff to puncture her time dam, because you can't touch it, there are fail-safes around it, and all this kind of stuff, I don't know.
0: Is, is that what the circuitry was? Was that to turn off the compression... It was the, some... The it, gravity yeah. tech,
1: whatever it was called. Yeah, some kind of... The, what was it? The Gravitic geometry. Okay, yeah, there you go then. Yeah, I don't know. It was a lot of clever shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was, yeah, something to do with that many compressed planets... Held in a way they shouldn't have been able to be held. Exactly. And then he can use that to basically blow apart her time dam. Okay. Ergo freeing himself. So yeah, my understanding that the doc tells us this, like I, I don't remember there being obvious hints in Wait, other avenues of this plot. but In
0: episode three, when we get to see his gallery of planets, Yeah. the doctor says, I, I can't believe that you have mastered the technology to compress a whole planet in here, because one, the-, the tiniest miscalculation would result in a black hole. We would all get sucked into a black hole. Yeah. And at that point, I wrote down in my notes, oh, I now know that this serial will end with them, with the pla- pirate planet being sucked into a black hole. But then it wasn't. I was wrong about that. Yeah. But, i think what you're saying is that the circuit board that he is about to puncture is effectively that thing that's keeping them from turning into a black hole and that his freedom is going to be death he is going to commit suicide and his torment of being a I, cyborg no
1: i'm not sure about that i i think like he's he's obviously got enough control over the situation to have kept them contained yeah and i think it's a way of releasing the fact that they're on the verge of creating a black hole, but into aiming it as her. her time damn thing.
0: Oh okay. Yeah, okay.
1: Interesting. It was, it was hard to follow the wibbly-wobbly stuff about that. And... But
0: did you buy the reason he suddenly was able to do this? So it, it seemed to me as though it's either that he gets a knock on the head when they vibrate and Mr. Fibuli dies, for example. So either he gets he gets a shock to the system, a physical shock to the system, and that knocks something loose and that suddenly allows him to follow his own will, his own decisions. It's either that or it's seeing Mr. Fibuli dead. That causes him to suddenly go, I will avenge you. I'm yeah, I I will make this right.
1: Ah, see, this is what I was I was sort of trying to trying to get at, and I'm not sure I fully understand or okay. have, have my opinion made up, but I got the impression that at least Doc thought the captain was kind of faking being controlled through a lot of the time. So oh, he was okay. able to basically set up this plan of freeing himself. Like, the Doctor seems to be in a bit of awe of the Captain. Like, obviously, he's done this thing to prevent black holes from forming. There's a point where the Doctor says, like, you know, we should really be afraid of the Captain. Like, I think Roman is being a bit flippant about how he's just a bully and stuff. And Doc's like, no, oh, no you, know, actually, you, should, you should really be careful of this guy. Like He's, he's
0: pretending to trust us, but he's actually going to be yeah. us in the back.
1: I got the implication through a lot of different... Bits of dialogue and stuff that he is not fully under her control at all times. Ah, oh, okay. He's he's playing the game, but he's also playing his ulterior motive. So what I was saying earlier, you know, I wasn't quite buying that he was always that blistering barnacles guy. Yeah, I, you know, re- retracted that pretty quickly because actually that's him still wanting he's he wants to crush these planets so he can put them in the black hole status thing so he can free himself Uh so he he does want that as much as she wants it she thinks he's doing it because she's controlling him i hope you're right because that's
0: that's a really interesting bit yeah i hadn't read that into it i'm not entirely sure if the doctor knew about that in the beginning though because this is pre-Queenie reveal, I don't think the Doctor either knew about that. I think he realises it later on.
1: Uh, you could be right there, yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. So you say um, pre-Queenie reveal.
0: Well. Did you see this coming? Ish. So one of my... I didn't realise that she was going to be the Queen, because it takes a while before we even... Yeah, like, I think I knew that she was the queen when we get to see the old queen. Yeah. But I did not put it together in the very beginning when, I mean, it's either Weetabix or one of the other ones that goes, yeah, the queen, she was like a witch, she could live for 200 years and she was really evil and blah blah blah. I did not put that together at all. However, I did at one point write, and this is like in part two, is the captain's doctor, that should be the nurse, actually the grey eminence in charge? Oh, I wrote that in part two, but I still did not put it together. I still did not realize that she was the queen, but it seemed to me that she was the boss because she was really arrogant towards the captain. She would sit in the background, put her feet up. She'd just be really flippant with him while everyone else was very toady.
1: Yeah, I I picked up on there being something odd about her in earlier episodes, but it was yeah, it was episode three that she does the, the sitting up with just a very nonchalant, but also I don't give a shit yeah about you kind of yeah approach i i wrote who is this person because I, I hadn't even pegged that she was the nurse she was just in the background in so many scenes and actually didn't say a lot occasionally had a bit of dialogue but the first two episodes she was just kind of present
0: i think she's she does something it checks his health at some point
1: yeah which i think i, I just which missed is why i assume she was a doctor yeah i'd missed that detail and I was just like, Who the hell is this lady? We'd had the big thing about the Queen. You were absolutely right. This this is the point where she's totally not, you know, respecting who the captain is. And we've we've seen you know, the um the effect he has on all the other crew members, the guards, the Mr. Fibley, you know, they are yeah. terrified of him. And yeah, at that point I was like, Oh, is she the Queen? I don't know what's going on here. Uh-huh. And then I've got a note, note later down where we see the real Queen is like, oh nuts,
0: that's the Queen. Oh, interesting. <laughs> the, the, you know My very first note of part four, and I don't know exactly where this Oh right. So end of part three, we get to see the the old queen body. Yeah. And then my very first note for part four is because at that point the doctor says, oh, she's projecting herself somewhere else. My first note is, ah, she's the queen, isn't she? Yeah. Which I think is actually probably the intention on the part of the, uh, of Douglas Adams and the script editor, there's a bit of trivia with this as well. Yeah, but yeah, to you know, to pace it to very slowly feeds the audience piecemeal all these little hints and then actually have the reveal when it's time to have the reveal. If we had figured it out in in episode two, this would not have been as much fun. No,
1: I agree. Yeah, it was it was a nice pacing of it.
0: How did you feel about the parrot and the bird versus dog scene? Parrot versus dog. Fight, is my note. Okay.
1: uh, (laughs) Maybe that's it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of liked that it happened. I didn't like like, how long it was and the effects were pretty terrible. But
0: but this is probably, as you said, they have this new effect. They really want to keep it. They want to show off this effect. Yeah. It reminded me... Oh, sorry.
1: I was going to say, you're absolutely right. The, The laser effects...
0: They're terrible.
1: Are awful. other than K nines. K nines is is the standard K nine fate, I think. So that's that's good. But the the laser from the para or it looks more like a beam. It looks like
0: it's shitting lasers. Yeah. Because it's it's dropping lasers. Yeah.
1: And the the lasers from the guns from the the worst guards ever who ha- can't aim. No,
0: no one can aim in this.
1: There's one point. Kemos is surround, literally surrounded. There's like three guards one side, three guards another. He kills them all, <laughs> and no one even touches him. Just awful. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, parrot, parrot versus
0: dog. Yeah, it was kind of fun. It reminded me, and I won. Even though this is well ahead of it, it reminded me of a TV show, another TV show that I grew up with, namely Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future.
1: Wow, I've never heard of that, but that's a title and a half. It's freaking
0: awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cool. The flying effects in there looked very similar to this. Uh. Not the CGI effects. This is slightly later. This is like an 80s show, I think, or maybe very early 90s. But so not the CGI effects, but the other superimposed effects of one of them. Ha- I think Captain Power had the the ability to fly with his suit. looked exactly like the pirates in this one. <laughs> I quite liked the way its its wings went out before it took off. Yeah, that was quite. Yeah, neat. and just like he- it had a name, yeah. by the way, it was called. Did you write this down?
1: I I knew the like the name of the robot type, not necessarily that, that particular version's uh, name. What has, was it? Had Polly on it. It was like Polytronic or something. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Oh, I'm not gonna find it. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic.
1: But I, I like the idea of there being a killer parrot. I mean, come on. Yeah.
0: And as you pointed out in the beginning, very Douglas Adamsy.
1: I think you pointed that out.
0: Oh did I? <laughs> okay, what well, do you agree? Uh,
1: I I don't know. I find that actually more Monty Python esque.
0: Well, Douglas Adams wrote for Monty Python. Oh. Ah, yeah, you I wrote for the it. Flying Circus. Bing Bong, Future Leon here. Yes, that is true, but as far as I can tell, he only wrote one episode slash skit called a uh, party political broadcast that was in 1974 okay bing bong
1: but like yeah kill a rabbit from holy grail or, yeah i mean people have said the the dead parrot sketch but i feel like that's just because mm, it's a parrot yeah, it's a parrot
0: yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh another pirate thing by the way sorry i'm just looking at my notes something that we didn't mention doc walks the plank he does yeah yes actually yeah from that yeah oh we're gonna segue should we segue
1: quickly to cliffhangers Excellent idea. I Let's always go. I always like to talk about the cliffhangers, I mean, I know uh, you do. but we don't always. So whilst we have the opportunity to segue, why not, eh? Episode one. So episode one, we get the good vibrations. <laughs> but they're not referred to as good vibrations <laughs> at this point, but yeah, Doc's been slapped against the wall with some kind of thought, Ray.
0: Yeah. By the mentiads Yes. The quote, evil zombies with terrible powers. Episode two, Mentiads again, they've come for the dock. Yeah. The insides of the shell, they are on the actual planet Calufrax.
1: Oh, yes. I think. Yes, I think you must be right. Yeah, they've gone down the mine, so it must be.
0: Yeah. Which, by the way, can we put a pin in that? Okay. All right. Part three. Yeah, sorry, just...
1: Yeah, yeah, sorry. That's not much of a cliffhanger. Just some dude's rocking up going... We have come to you. We've come to you. There's a letter well, for you, Doctor.
0: Well, the, the Doctor behind the dock... There are some and guards. ...and Romana, there yeah. are guards with lasers. And in front of the dock, his only way out, so to speak, is blocked by these mentiads. Yeah, like, true. Do you remember us from the previous episode's cliffhanger? <laughs> 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 we are here to, for you. <laughs> yeah. And then part three is... Doc falling off Oh yeah you're right He walks the plank And everyone laughs Yeah <laughs> Humanic manic laughter <laughs> Exactly And <laughs> part four is the final episode The ending of which we should also discuss Because I, I have questions But st- returning to the previous pe- Oh wait hang on So so how do you feel about these cliffhangers? Well, I think actually better than
1: normal Okay The second one is a bit You don't really care The fact that Doc gets knocked out in the first round Is good Yeah like, You know I don't know It was kind of I liked the way that none of them were just like Oh the fuck how he's going to get out of that. And then the reveal is stupid or just unbelievable. Actually falling off the plank. I liked that it was a projection. That was like totally blindsided me.
0: Same here. It was very clever.
1: Yeah, exactly. clever. That's the difference. It's, it's not just, Oh, what the fuck?
0: It's clever. Yeah. He's not squareness gunning. There's an actual thought process behind it.
1: Yeah. It was it was a little bit square in his gun, because it's like, how are we
0: meant to know that? Every single cliffhanger gets overcome in this whole T V show with a Deus Ex Machina of some sort. Yeah. We have come for you. Actually, we're the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've been knocked against the wall. But you're okay. But you're okay. <laughs> Nothing's happened. Yeah. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs>
1: You might have stubbed your toe.
0: Doc walks the plank. No, he didn't. <laughs> right, hang on. Can we return to that pin? So I have a question for you. Yes. So we are now on the planet Calufrax. Calufrax, which is where the um, the Mentiads are residing. Apparently, they're inside tunnels yeah. inside the planet. Wouldn't they, but, they
1: risk of being left behind? Yeah, or being crushed? Exactly.
0: Every single time, wouldn't their home just be? Nullified. It would be. It would turn into a another potential black hole in the gallery. Wouldn't it make more sense for them to live above ground somewhere? You know, I don't think I'd put this together that they was they were living down there. I think so. I think that's where they have their base. Like th- th- there are a couple of scenes where it's like, oh, we're all coming in. You know, Romana and K9, I think, and maybe not Weetabix, but the other guy. They're underground in what's his name? Frenulum. Sorry. <laughs> Which one? What's his name? The Re- Remus. Remus. Wait, his name is Remus as in Romulus? Oh no, Chimus, sorry.
1: Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's Chimus, but they I think every actor pronounced it like uh, differently. differently.
0: Yeah, <laughs> classic. <laughs> okay, so Chimus Romana and K9, or possibly any two of them, are underground and then all of a sudden, and they're in a room underground, and then all of a sudden, all the mentiads storm in and then, shortly thereafter, the dog comes in. Yes. Right? Either way, I'm pretty sure the mentiads live down there, which makes no sense. I have another question for you. Okay. <laughs> Wait, you were about to say something there. I'm
1: well, sorry. I was trying to remember, so the, the lady of the family group... Yeah,
0: um... Is something like Hula? mala Oh, Mula,
1: Mula. Which mm. so which you we, we should put a pin in for the oh. the actresses of this oh, okay. episode anyway. She is with Canine at one point. Is this mm. when she finds the mentiads? Maybe. She's got she's gone off to find the mentiads. Yeah, and I feel like that wasn't the caves. Oh, <laughs> but okay. I can't quite remember. Hmm. I
0: feel like that's underground. Okay. Anyway, you yeah, it might be a surface cave. like A surface a, cave. Yeah, like maybe there's a hill and this is inside that hill. You know, Maybe it's something like that. Well, I guess or inside uh, a mountain. That's the other thing is as opposed to underground.
1: They have a planet. So you, you're saying the, the Mentiad caves run the risk of being destroyed all the time. Are there c- caves just in, not Califax? Uh, okay, do you the remember pirate planet.
0: Yeah, so you know Doc. Well, that's not the pirate planet. The pirate planet no. is like but Zuka? Zucon, yeah, Zanak. Zanak. <laughs> Zaxia? No, that's the lady. Yeah, is that right? Like? Uh, Danny Zuko. <laughs> so, <laughs> at one point, Doc Romana, presumably K Nine, and what's his face um, Remus, not Remus, that guy. Yeah, but not Weetabix, They take a lift. They go into the mine mining operation, and they take a lift down. Yeah. And when they get down, get down to when they get down, <laughs> <laughs> they have a groovy, groovy good time. Yeah. <laughs> They're about to get busy, and all of a sudden it's cold down there. And the reason it's cold, and they like they feel the ground, and I think maybe they have the tracer at this point, and the tracer's going completely bananas. Yes. It's because they are now on the surface of Califrax. They have reached that icy cold planet that he was predicting yeah. that they would land on. Yeah, so okay. And n- now they are effectively on the planet that's been taken over.
1: So, th- But that's what Mineshaft... Lower ground floor is If if you go a level up Do you get The the catacombs of Zanak?
0: Yeah, no, you're right, that's a very good point
1: Why do they have a mineshaft, it's all automated Like, why is there a lift, rather, you know (laughs) Answers, that's (laughs)
0: Okay (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of unanswered questions in this serial You had another question, I believe Oh, I did have another question So, the mentiads Mm -hmm. They are a telepathic gestalt Yes, apparently What? What? From from a prior planet that's been plundered? Is that how it's meant to be? Because they've been around many iterations of this process. So they are not from Califrax. They're from somewhere else. Also, they're... like, the Mentiad Gestalt is from somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't take it they were anything but Xanaxians, for whatever of a better phrase. Oh, they're
0: Xanaxians? Okay.
1: I, I assumed they were native to the pirate planet.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think you're right.
1: I thought they were just, like... Uh... They just happen to be the telepathic evolution, ones. Evolution anomaly, or, you know, yeah, there's a low.
0: They're like the genetic. Akira's of this planet. I've never actually seen Akira. Oh, Jesus, dude, <laughs> watch Akira. It's incredible. Yeah, I've heard that many times. Don't wait for the live action movie that's never coming. Oh, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. So maybe some people of every generation are telepathic. It's in this dude's family. It's in Weetabix's family because his dad, or possibly older brother, yeah. or whatever, was also a telepath. Okay. No, you know what? I I have no problem with this. This makes perfect sense. I didn't. I didn't quite
1: understand. So every time they absorb a planet, yep. they get like all the life force. So all, all the plants, animals, peoples of those planets. Then the telepaths get some energy from it. And, and it, it was it,
0: more that it hurt them.
1: They get a headache. Their power increases as well. I, I didn't realize th- that. I thought that was kind of implied. Well, Absolutely.
0: But I don't know. How does that fit with so? I took this as a. I read this in a Star Warsian way.
1: I was like sensing the
0: force. Alderaan blows up. Yeah. and Obi Wan has to sit down and just goes. I just there was a. I just felt a, a terrible disturbance in the force, like a, a million voices crying out. That's the whatever it is. Yeah, he says. yeah. That's I think what happens to them.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely a given. But I'm sure there's reference to the fact that they have been getting more powerful. Oh, okay, like as. Is As the not pirate just... planet eats planets, the more planets it eats, the more powerful they are becoming.
0: Okay. Yeah, that might be the case. And I, I think maybe this is also true. Sorry, I'm pouring myself a drink at the same time. Um, I think maybe this is also true that they get powerful the more mentiads they are. Like, the more people get attached to this. Yeah. Which was,
1: which was my question a bit. Like, are they getting more powerful because they're feeding from this life energy? Like... They don't want to be because, like, life forms are being killed. Yeah. Or is it that when that like energy is released, all the telepaths get a headache, but it also creates a new telepath? Or Because that seemed to be a trigger point for them finding... Yeah, so, the, um, so in
0: the very beginning...
1: Products. Weetabix. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> you're right. So in the very beginning, in, in part one of this four-parter, in part one, they are <clears throat> in a cave, <laughs> <yeah>. and <laughs> but you're right, it might not be that deep. So they're in a cave... And they have, again, by the way, the superimposed image effects yeah. of uh, of Weetabix, who's having just a terrible, like an episode of some sort. And he's saying... The life force, the life force. Oh, yeah. Among other things. And I think possibly they find fellow telepaths because every time that this happens, if you happen to be telepathic and you're at the right time in your life or whatever, you know, you're you're sufficiently telepathic, then you will also feel the thousands, if not millions, of voices crying out in pain across the force. And if you do that, they go, oh, wait, hang on. You must be one of us. Come with us.
1: But I just remembered there's a scene where I took. As kind of like a 1984 moment where Ooh. the captain is being loud-speakered down to the planet's right. surface or whatever from his mountain. Yeah. And there's a small crowd gathered in a large square. There's <laughs> literally like six people yep. who are at super ev- happy at every exclamation going, Yay! What a wonderful place to be! <laughs> Apart yeah. from Palix, who is. You know, he's just like stony cold. I'm not happy about this kind of shit. You're right. And they are viewing this, and they've homed in on Palix. Yeah, at this point I'm thinking, oh, so they're the thought police of this society. I think you're right. But no, yeah. And
0: he's a dissident, so therefore we need to go and get him.
1: Yeah, but somehow they've sensed his telepathy at this point. But he's
0: not even the telepath. Was that not the telepath, Dave? No, don't they? Over the camera, they see, not Weetabix, they see the dude who's... Is he so Romulus and Rebus? I think so oh, yeah. yeah, exactly Romulus and Rebus Because Weetabix He's in beds, Like shaking his head He can barely speak
1: Oh, I thought he just Went afterwards And had an episode Oh, went home
0: So either you're uh, a racist And all the Danny Zukos Look the same to you yeah. Or I completely Misremember And I've well, Conflated no, this... two characters Sorry, I've turned One character Into two characters
1: I actually sort of Did remember it As being Kimus Okay but it fit into the narrative that I understood <laughs> <laughs> if it was Pralex. But to be honest, when they had the moment where Pralex joins the Mentiads and he's then clad it as they are and his face change color. Yeah. And his. He wears some
0: makeup and also, like, they probably have robes around. So whenever someone shows up and is a telepath, they just go, like, you're no longer allowed to wear pants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, his, his sister runs up to him and goes, Pralex, what happened to you? Order whatever. Yeah. I was like, is that the same guy? What? I have no idea. That, yeah. That was just one of the mentiets. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, a racist. bit racist.
0: <laughs> this is not elegantly handled in the beginning because we have the captain and everyone on the bridge looking at Danizuko. The not Weetabix, uh, Remus, Romulus and Remus. Yeah, He's looking at Romulus and Remus, Remus and all the other people who are cheering and then going, wait, that dude isn't cheering, we need to get him. And at the exact same time we're having a montage between one person looking at CCTV and all the telepaths looking at their version of CCTV and finding Weetabix. Uh,
1: did I blink and missed which one was which i think
0: i think basically these things are happening happening concurrently and for Uh, that reason or if even if that not happening concurrently for us the viewers they are happening at the same time there on the planet yeah and therefore i mean one or both of us this can you know conflating these two scenes i think may very well be me but um hang on i was gonna say another thing so the when the Danizukos are turned into mentiads they lose their whole personality. They become members of a collective hive mind. Yes. That's freaking sad.
1: Although it doesn't really look like that. It looks like they still have individual kind of motion and stuff. I don't oh,
0: know. maybe. Well, Weetabix then suddenly becomes their leader in a way. He does. He's the spokesperson for their little yeah. collective.
1: Well, you don't want to give lines to someone else, do you? No, that's true.
0: <laughs> there is the other guy in part three or part four, hang on, wherever. Oh, it's part four, when the Mentiads use their telekinetic powers to cause a landslide. A landslide? <laughs> that's uh, very generous. Okay, they cause five Styrofoam <laughs> boulders to fall down on some guards. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get like a good 15 seconds of them just standing around looking that's really smart. so smirk. <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> Until Romano walks up and goes very impressive
1: (laughs) (laughs) the lead guy may have well just said you think that's impressive look at my
0: penis (laughs) it's also wearing makeup this isn't the only face wearing concealer anyway
1: Okay, on a, a slightly similar note, actually. Okay, oh, excellent. There are certain angles of the guard helmets. Yes. I could not help feel like looked a bit like bellends.
0: Yeah. No, they definitely do. Yeah. That's bedroom cosplay. I'm going to keep that.
1: <laughs> like, is that not number one when you're de- like designing a your helmet? Try really hard to not make it look like a penis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's day one at Helmet Academy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that course must be so interesting, by the way. so <laughs> If that's day one, yeah. I agree with you, yeah. What did you think
1: of Mr. Fibbily?
0: I had two impressions of him. One was akin to, I can't remember which serial it was now, but a recent serial that we reviewed, where everyone's living in these skyscrapers, no one's ever seen the lights. Do you remember this? It's the one where the, the, the Toadie adjutant's Always oh. has a creative way of talking to yes. his boss. And um, that's Underworld, isn't it? I think that's Underworld.
1: Yes, with some interesting Seeker Guard helmets as well.
0: Wait, is it Underworld? Am I thinking of a different one now? It's not Underworld. Underworld is the one with the spaceship. uh spaceships. Hang on, I'm heading over to whobackwhen.com. My goodness, what a convenient website. Wow, we. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I went there and uh, didn't realise that was the wrong one. The, sun- the Sunmakers. Yes. Makers, yeah, the Sunmakers.
0: Course. Where the toady adjutant is always, oh, yes, your uh, meticulous magnificence. He always has these yes. clever ways of saying things. And not that that was a particularly clever example, but you know what I mean. Yes. And I got some similar vibes from Mr. Fibuli.
1: Yeah, a bit. Definitely definitely a bit toady-ish in
0: places. Sure. And then the second one was I got, again, massive Star Wars vibes. In particular there's one scene in part 2 the very early on in part 2 where we get the first parrot kill. Okay and uh, so the captain he sends his parrots the parrots kill someone off screen like out of frame and then we cut to the dead body on the ground Oh
1: with yes. the parrots
0: standing, sitting on it and it's set up to be Mr. Fibberly is the one who's going to get killed but yeah. he isn't killed and instead Mr. Fiboli is then left alive next to a couple of soldiers and just kind of gulps like uh, yes sir I- I'll do my best sir and it felt very much like the you know Admiral Pietz scene uh, of yeah. uh, uh, Captain Pietz do this and then he killed someone else like now it's your responsibility admiral piet yeah it felt very much like that
1: that whole lineup actually looks like it yeah it's it's, there's nazism's yeah, reference there, but then I think possibly because Star Wars.
0: Possibly because they're le- leaning
1: on the same thing as well. Yeah. Um we are now post Star Wars. We are, definitely.
0: So in fact, we are post that scene cuz that is from a new hope, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So
1: I mean the the empire outfits are obviously in there. So even even if that scene wasn't Yeah. Yeah, they, they have that grey, they have uh the collar the power on collar kind of yeah, exactly. folding it over a bit and yeah, it's if it's not mimicking Star Wars, it's mimicking the same things that Star Wars was mimicking, sort Yeah, of, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I think I liked Mr. Pippli. I think his level of toadiness. <laughs> yeah. do Doombar's doing his job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Second pint. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know, it was it was never too sycophant like. It was yeah. it was more uh you could see he was actually getting some satisfaction from his job like he had a strange interest in these minerals like he he liked that he knew all these things and was happily regurgitating it and yeah but you also got the underlying he's fear he's got oh he's so afraid yeah i, I thought he was betrayed very well actually and, i think so too and i liked that when he died the captain has you know a moment to show that there was a bond there like you because i think i think you felt there was a bond there it wasn't like the fact that he didn't the captain didn't kill mr Fibberly when yeah, he made he a mistake.
0: Con- yeah. And and then twice, in fact, he doesn't kill him that one time, which the Admiral Pietzine. And yeah. then on another occasion, he tells Fibuli, you will live for now or something yeah. to that effect. And Fibuli is just like, oh, thank you. Thank you ever so much.
1: Which to uh, get more geek cards onto the table is a bit of uh, Princess Bride, perhaps, of the way Ooh. Wesley talks about the Dread Pirate Roberts as like, he'll, you know, every day is like, Oh, I might kill you tomorrow. Yeah, you're right. So it's like that, that kind of building a relationship under constant threat.
0: Yeah, that's what Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves proved. Worked like a charm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite the same though. <laughs> what about the rest? So we we have other gods. I'm not entirely sure where I stand with the guards. The guards are very slapstick. We get two scenes virtually identical of the doctor and not Weetabix, the other guy, Romulus, trying to steal a, a hovercar. Oh, yes. I liked it the first time around. I liked it the first time. I mean, I'm glad that it failed the second time. But to be honest, when it happened the second time, I was wondering if I had accidentally like, <laughs> pressed play on the wrong episodes. Yeah. But uh, actually, I don't really know where I'm going with this. Wait, hang on. Just to say, the hovercar looks beautiful.
1: Yeah, it more, more It's gorgeous Credence to big budget Yeah From BBC point of view
0: I, mean, I don't know how they made it. it On a couple of occasions It looks like it's a boat That they've repurposed Interesting Yeah, I, I never really like It looks like a speedboat With other things attached to it Yeah,
1: I guess The slightly misshapen Seating arrangement Would be speedboat-esque Possibly, yeah Yeah
0: Unless that's too expensive And it's actually easier To just make a plywood shell Stick some chairs in there I don't know But Yeah it looks beautiful. I mean, I'm assuming they only built one. They park it in places where it doesn't even need to be in a couple of scenes. And it's just like, I get it. I get it. If I had built that or if I had that at my disposal, it would always be in frame. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I was going to say something about the gods. Now I can't remember what it was. Oh. Well. I don't know. What you
1: have made me think, though, so you made the good point earlier that no one's seen the captain. Yeah. When they steal the air car, yep. Romulus and Rebus says, that's the captain's car. Oh. Like, he's very put out about the fact that they're going to go steal a car and then realize that the car is going to steal. I was like, well, that's even worse.
0: But is it the captain's car or is it just it's a car belonging to, uh, you know, the armada, the, the 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 guards who work for the captain? I don't know. Because I have I, a feeling the captain never leaves the bridge.
1: Yeah. No, I I mean, I got the impression like, most other things set it up that yeah, people don't see the captain. He's up there the whole time. Yeah. In his mountain fortress. But I,
0: I, I also think I missed got, that line.
1: I also got the impression
0: that uh, this is the captain's personal that, vehicle. That
1: was his personal thing, and only the guards have air cars. I didn't think, yeah, the lay people would have.
0: No, they are not allowed up in the air.
1: No. So who else would it belong to? Like to say that's the captain's one that's would, a captain. would yeah. be a bit weird. I don't know. That is a weird. thing. Maybe a slight plot hole.
0: I wonder if... Okay, so there was a very, very brief mention of a script editor before. So this is not the original script that Douglas Adams envisioned. Yes. He had... I'll read this straight from TARDIS Wikia. The original draft for this story was extremely complex, centred around a Time Lord trapped in a giant aggression-absorbing machine and several paradoxes. It was greatly simplified by the script editor, Anthony Reed. Yeah. I mean, that first sentence sounds extremely Douglas Adamsy.
1: Yeah, an aggression-absorbing machine.
0: Yeah, and then also folding paradox after paradox into this. And bearing in mind that he is writing this at the same time as he is writing Hitchhiker's Guides. Yeah. And just about to sell it, or if he hasn't just sold it to the BBC. He must constantly be thinking about, like, I'm going to make the most complex and elaborate and convoluted science fiction story, because that's how he works. Like, everything is convoluted. Yeah. Even outside of Hitchhikers, it's convoluted. And then Anthony Reed shows up, strips it down, takes out the Time Lord, turns it into a queen, turns the the aggression, whatever, machine into either the pirate arm or the time dam, whatever. Either way, like, forces him to tone it down, constantly stripping away layer after layer after layer. But then very possibly there are little references back to bits that ...were previously there. So maybe the captain or the, the, the equivalent of the captain... ...maybe the equivalent of the captain was this Time Lord, for example. Maybe this Time Lord was actually out and about and had a car. Yeah. And then this one line remained for whatever reason. It didn't get cut out. That's
1: possible, I suppose. Yeah. It's, it's always very intriguing like to say it's been heavily simplified... Like, what the hell did the original really look like? And saying it's centered on a Time Lord, like, this kind of centers on the Captain throughout most of it. It does, yeah. But you can't imagine swapping that for a Time Lord. Like, this, this would feel... like I read this trivia and just thought, that's just a totally different serial.
0: Did you read the other trivia associated with the Time Lords, the specific Time Lord? Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, so this is also from TARDIS Wiki. I'll, I'll just read this out loud. Douglas Adams considered that the villain of the pirate planet could be the Master's Daughter. Oh who was collecting the planets where he'd been defeated because she either loved him or hated him. While trying to determine the villain's motivation, he also considered that she could just be the master. So that's also, by the way, groundbreaking, potentially groundbreaking nineteen seventies TV because we could have had our very first female master. True. There could have been the very first Missy in nineteen seventy whatever this is, eight, seventy-nine?
1: 78. Yeah. 78.
0: Wow. Right. Oh. And that Time Lord could then have been, I mean, in one of these drafts, maybe the Time Lord in question could have been the Master, who is very evil, is wearing an aggression-absorbing suit or machine or what have you to turn him into a slightly more complacent character.
1: Oh, damn it, I want that. Right? <laughs> so interesting. Well, the other thing is, like, obviously, we've got a kind of miniaturization of planets going on here. Yes. Yes. How much would that fit in with the master? Exactly. Yeah.
0: I wonder if that's then another element that got yeah. left behind. They just changed it and said, oh, actually, you know what? It's a it's gravity-related technology.
1: Yeah. Oh, what could have been? Oh, right. There's an interesting thing about the, the normalization, actually. Oh, yeah? So it says, uh, this is just wikipedia but saying this is one of five serials that never got novelized by target books oh right so it okay. sounds like that was the norm like they just everyone would turned out a book version of yeah the serials and it was because yeah douglas adams obviously being uh possibly by the point they were trying to do it an established writer yeah that's you know in his own right or at least was wanting to be i'm not quite sure how this fits in with this his history of stuff but yeah he basically Wasn't letting it happen. He couldn't come to an agreement with them. But they, yeah, they finally got a novelized version in 2017.
0: Oh, wait, 2017? Yeah. Holy moly, that took a while.
1: So that's not by the Target Books people, I don't think. It's it's some other thing. And a Target Books one will be published July this year. What? Yeah. How bonkers is that? And also, depending on where in the future you're listening uh, to this podcast land, that's 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. Also, is that a bit shitty? Like they've basically been allowed to do this because he's died. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a script for Doctor Who, which obviously involves way more people. We've we've seen it is yeah. That someone heavily edited it for a start. I don't say if it's, it's a
0: script for Doctor Who, then does that not mean that the BBC owns the rights to it? Yeah, it's a story. It's what odd is, that he can he levy that right. kind of power on it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: but. No agreement could be come to for, yeah, to say, like, he would write it or even another would write it. But it would be interesting to see if either the book that is out from 2017 or the book that's about to come out... Are they going to be drastically different? ...would involve this Time Lord piece.
0: Maybe. Yeah. It would be nice if it did. Maybe there are notes left behind from Douglas Adams. Yeah. I mean,
1: presumably is an original script whether it was kept oh yeah
0: you're right sorry yeah you're right
1: yeah, whether it's kept
0: safely I wouldn't like at would, the very least like a pitch of some sort yeah. must exist in writing
1: maybe uh, one of our lovely listeners who has happened to have already read the novelised version by uh, James Goss would care to leave a message on whoaboutwhen.com yeah
0: I would love to or hear more about tweet that one of us yeah do both please I, I want to read this in its full splendour <laughs> wait hang on here's what you can do Get in touch with us over Twitter or email, whatever, and maybe write a little review of it. Oh, yes, that would be lovely. Put that on the blog. Holy shit, I need to get back and work on that blog. There are so many articles that are just waiting to be published. I've been a total arsehole and have been neglecting it. Oh, I'm really sorry, lovely writers. Your work is busy. <laughs> yeah. Um. How do you feel about Romana? I think for the most part, I was liking her in this. Yeah?
1: Her and the Doctor had a bit more of an established relationship, I felt, like... She had she had slotted a bit more into assistant territory, but still trying to push her new knowledge.
0: Yeah, she refers to herself as his assistant.
1: Yes, she does. Uh, I think Doc had dialled down his arrogance a little bit. Like, I think it's in one of the first scenes where Romana manages to materialize the TARDIS. And I think actually, as it's played out, it's purely because the planet isn't trying to materialize at the same time. Oh, yeah. So she does exactly the same thing that the Doc does. But Doc is talking to K-9 saying, oh, that was very good, wasn't it? Like, she did more as good. Yeah. Well, obviously, good job. You know, and so the things that, that were a bit tense in the first serial have lessened a bit and it's a they, better relationship. Yeah, yeah,
0: they're more, they're equals. Yeah. On At least in certain regards they are And they both get to be better than the other Yes I mean, she gets to be better at <laughs> piloting his TARDIS Because she reads even the his. manual <laughs> Yeah, exactly <laughs> Which is really quite impressive And he gets, to, he gets to flaunt some of his experience as well
1: Yeah And she gets to shoot someone straight up
0: Yeah, she totally put someone on the express train to Deadsville That yeah. guard is no more like, um, he is a dead parrot. <laughs> <He is. laughs>
1: Indeed. I don't, you know, I don't really want to kind of like... To- there's killing and shit from doctor or his companions his her companions but that was pretty badass it, it was and badass, it, i agree and it gave us a bit that i'd be missing from Leela.
0: yeah yeah and this is not too long by the way after the doc has been knocked unconscious and before he is fully conscious is crying out no more janus thorns yeah so we get that little reference back to Leela.
1: that was nice yeah he, he said some other things which I, I i didn't make a note of and oh yeah don't recall but not just that no more Janus Thorns praise. I'm sure there were other things.
0: In the same scene, you mean? Yeah.
1: I don't know if they were important or not, but it's interesting how much that stands out. Like, it's it's a big trivia point that is probably listed on every site that would care to least list trivia things, and we both noticed it. Romana had a, a different outfit as well, which I quite enjoyed. She did, yeah. A bit sci-fi-y, a bit funky. I thought she was really rather good in this. Yeah.
0: I loved the segment where she's separated from the Doctor, is taken in the air car by the guards. She's arrested. Oh yeah. She gets to just flaunt her infinitely more grandiose intellects in front of the the guards. Is then taken before the captain. Gets to do the same in front of him. And is just she's so calm. She's so collected. Yeah. Yet still with uh, also a slightly smug sense of superiority. And so you really get a
1: doctor vibe from her in those situations. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The arrogance that's the that, that just the brazen attitude of Romana in that scene where she goes, Actually, I don't just travel through space, I also travel through time, hence Time Lord. Yeah, <laughs> which is just incredibly cool.
1: And Big oh, fan. just scanning through my notes, yeah, she offers up some jelly babies.
0: She's she literally stealing Doc's Honda. She is, a, the, she offers them to the doctor, doesn't mm-hmm. she? Because she stole them from his pocket. Oh, does she she offer him one after? Because she, uh, she
1: offers a guard first or something. I'm not, I'm not oh, quite ma- sure. Oh, oh
0: yeah, maybe yeah.
1: And then he's, he's the like, do- "Where did you do get those?" Yeah. Like, oh,
0: in your pocket. The same place you get them yeah. from. Your pocket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, this is something that we didn't get with Leela. Yeah, definitely not this kind of interplay. That attitude. She's an an alpha in a very different way. Yeah kind of happy i mean i miss I Leela. I, I wish Leela had a better farewell yeah definitely but i'm i think i prefer a character who can actually speak for herself and who can you know who has agency and 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 intellects behind every decision yeah who's actually motivated by something other than just rage it's nice to have someone who isn't a savage Even though it was fun to have a savage for a while
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, they're apples and oranges Yeah no, I, I agree with you it's, But this it's is nice, more interesting It's nice to have change I think that's
0: every what, time what I'm d- enjoying at the moment Yeah, yeah, exactly I mean, we had this conversation the last time, didn't we, as well yeah. like, if, As long as it's a sinus curve, it's okay But, I mean, every single time that we now have a scene with the Doctor and the companion You know that there's potential for a good dialogue Yeah Whereas that didn't really exist with Leela
1: I think there was always potential for some interesting exposition or but it's always gonna a bit of comedy perhaps. On... But...
0: Yeah, it's definitely comedy. It's always going to end on her misunderstanding something. Yeah, quite quite likely. I think.
1: There's um, the bit where Romana does get captured by the guard. Yeah. That dialogue is is lovely. I actually found the BBC's uh, page for this episode actually has that yeah? listed on it the guard takes the a telescope from Romana. She's literally looking through it and the guard oh, just snatches yeah. it off her and say, yeah, yeah. this is a forbidden object. Romana is, why? That is a forbidden question. <laughs> <laughs> you are a stranger. Well, yes. Strangers are forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> I did come with the doctor. Who is it? Oh, don't tell me. Doctors are forbidden as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. And as, as her, you know, that that could be the doctor
0: in that situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And that also, by the way, feels a little Douglas Adamsy. Yeah. That's a dialogue that could come from Hitchhikers. Yeah. Similarly, all the conversations between the Doctor and people I mean, this is in town. All the conversations in town, in fact, feel very Douglas Adamsy. The doctor running around going, Have you seen Calliuphract? It's an oblate spheroid approximately forty thousand <laughs> kilometers across <laughs> So a few references to Hitchhikers. Oh, yeah. There's certainly one that I'm assuming that we both noticed, which is the don't. Oh, is there a damp, don't panic? Mode? There's a don't panic. Oh, I didn't spot yes, that. Yes, there's Sorry. a don't panic. In part three, it might be in the same scene as the no Janus Thorns, no Janus Thorns, you know, when he's, uh, yeah, it's what cuts that scene when he's now, he's woken up from the no Janus Thorns, whatever, he's rambling madly. Someone, the captain goes, oh, well, now you know about our little secret. What are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And he leaves the room after a while. Like, hint, hint, I'm going to kill you for this. He leaves, and the Doctor just punctuates the scene by looking at Not Weetabix and going, don't panic, Cuts to the next scene. It feels very out of place. It just feels like, I get it, Douglas Adams, you're doing <laughs> something else here. You're, you're putting, like, future references to your current present. <laughs> Other references, uh, we have the planet Bandragynous Five. In Hitchhikers, there is Santragenus V, Oh. The home for one of the key ingredients in the pan-galactic goggle blaster.
1: Is that the one that had the green gemstone?
0: Yeah, you're right. It is that, I think. And it's one of the spheroids in the gallery. Also, yeah, yeah, that's
1: what. Yeah, it comes back around, doesn't it?
0: Another one. The Doctor has a line, namely, Standing around all day looking tough must be very wearing on the nerves. Which is a direct quote from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy from the radio serials. Uh. Oh. So something that comes later on. As in rather, Douglas Adams quoted himself from this episode. Unless maybe he was quoting a draft that he had he yeah. was working on.
1: A few little bits here and there. Yeah. I actually have more Romana notes than uh Oh, let's hear I realised. Because Romana is the one that gets to explain time travel.
0: Oh yeah. Because
1: Doc is thinking about trying to ha- how to explain it to people who aren't time lords and then just gives up and goes, Oh Romana, you you you, <laughs> you, you explain this best. <laughs> Which, it it basically boils down to, what, dematerializing one location, passing through a space-time vortex, and then rematerializing in a different location.
0: Great explanation, Romana. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fully cleared that one up. (laughs) Let me explain how a car works for you. So, first, there's an ignition, and then you go from point A to point B, and you turn the wheel on a few occasions. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know how it works. Go and build one.
1: And What else does Romana do? She also kind of brings the whole arcing story back because this is way near the end of episode 2 where it's kind of forgotten that this is meant to be about them getting a piece of the key to time oh yes they're just a bit absorbed in the story of Whatever Saving the these going people. On. And yeah. 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 I, I have a note of like, finally, Romana actually reminds Doc why the fuck they're dead. <laughs> yeah. Know?
0: Did I miss something? Or do we in fact not get to see them collect the second piece of the key to time?
1: No, we don't. We get it explained as to how they are going to. But yeah. they, they obviously run out of budget at this point. Well, this is a question I wanted to pose to you. Okay.
0: Let's hear it. What
1: the fuck would have happened? if this pirate planet wasn't here. Because this piece of the key to time is the entire planet of Califrax.
0: Yeah, which is uninhabited though, right? Yeah. So they would have shown up, they would have pressed the tracer onto a... The planet It would have disappeared Turned into the next piece And then Then they would have gone on Would they have had And there would le- have been like Empty space
1: They would have had to lean out The TARDIS Yeah probably Cause if they were on the planet And the planet goes pop You know
0: Maybe he'd wear um, A spacesuit, Like float Or she would wear a spacesuit suit And float outside Be, of on, the TARDIS.
1: be on a cord and Be yanked back in
0: Yeah I mean, they could materialize on the planet.
1: But they, just they have no the idea core. it's the entire planet. Every time they turn up, I mean, so far we've only had two of them. You know, they have no idea what shape or form the piece of the key is going to That's look true. like. Yeah. So they don't know it's the planet. Well, they'll be rocking around, walking around and they drop the, the core and suddenly the planet just goes, pop, I'm now
0: <laughs> <laughs> five million <laughs> times smaller. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that could have easily happened. <laughs> I think this is indicative of this episode not having been written specifically for the key to time. Yeah. Like everything that is, that is tied to this, and by everything I mean only those like, maybe two occasions in this entire serial where they whip out the tracer and it goes, yeah. oh, we must be very close, something to that effect. Only on those two occasions. like Those lines were written in as an excuse to have this be one of the season of The Key to Time. Because otherwise, this this could be just any other episode. Yeah, they land here, much. they help the mentiads, they help the people, they defeat a pirate chap. Yeah. Done. So I don't necessarily think that they ran out of budget. It's that they didn't want to rewrite it too much to, to fit in. Well, my only reason for
1: saying run out of budget is... I'm pretty sure the explanation for how they're going to retrieve it is that all the things will be released from the containment fields and... It'll bob around in space and they'll and just pick it up. They'll... Yeah, it gets flung into the space-time vortex and they'll go retrieve it. All oh, right. right. So I think there's a... Uh- a bit of extra wibbly-wobbly effect needed to, to uh, that, justify that explanation.
0: That, it doesn't feel like that makes much sense to me. <laughs> no, I had no idea whatsoever. Speaking of the tracer, there's a scene of what I took to be kind of false tension. Also in episode four, where the doctor goes, grab the tracer. She goes, I don't have the tracer. Do you have the tracer? Like, no, oh, I don't yeah. have the tracer. Are you kidding me? I don't have the tracer. And it's like, oh, I do have the tracer. But it is false tension because that scene only lasts 10 seconds. It just kind of kills a little bit of air. Yeah. But it doesn't lead anywhere. And it's not fun.
1: No, I thought that as well. Yeah. It was like the last serial where they accidentally left the tracer underneath the, the yeah. treasure cabinet and they both had to come immediately try and retrieve it. Yeah, and they, yeah, they hid,
0: but then that also didn't really turn into any kind of humor. Yeah. yeah. It was
1: just some kind of weird forced point.
0: Like, can you write a tracer into this scene? I was actually a little scared that we were going to have a second serial in a row where the key to time was hidden in a gemstone. Because the oh, last time yeah. it was a big blue gem, and then and I was almost convinced that it was going to be the green gem that he held in his hand in the very beginning, and that the joke would be, I had it, I had it, and I could we could have just taken it and left, but then they don't realize until it's too late. Yeah, but yeah, fine. So we don't get to see it.
1: I kind of want there to be one less serial than there are pieces of the key, <laughs> so that okay. one one cereal starts with them just landing on a planet and going, oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just walk off. <laughs> and then go to the next one, and then that one involves a bit more would, would adventuring.
0: You, would you be happy if the next serial has two keys? Because we don't get to see this key.
1: What they end up not having found that. Yeah. Or the, the, the Or they... it, where it literally starts with them going like oh, here's that ball <laughs> No, because I know they've had to adventure. It just seems like Oh, they you go land on a, You land on a planet with the intention of finding one random object, but there's an adventure in there's, the way. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be an adventure in the way.
0: Yeah, so so they could. Yeah, you're right. So they go somewhere. They just pick it up. <laughs> Especially as
1: this one was an entire planet. Like, yeah. if and the timing of this pirate planet surrounding it is very specific. It's
0: so convenient. Yeah, I mean, this happens all the time, though. Yes, I mean, of every course. Every single it time yeah, that they yeah. go to any place, any time it everyone is in trouble around them. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, Which we, we love
1: that. Uh, maybe that's for Tardis like it's been explained. Definitely knew who. Oh, that's true. I, I don't know so much. It takes them where classes. they need to be yeah. in a way.
0: Yeah. Okay, I've got a question for you. Heads or tails? <laughs> <laughs> um, heads. Correct. Oh, so, thanks. <laughs> wow, what do we win? So, that scene, it was fun, but I don't get it. Like I, I thought it was really fun. i was like, oh, this is this this is nice. It made me think of two face or you know batman whatever it's fun he has a coin that has two two heads on it but why would you call it? I mean he goes all right heads we do it my my way tails we do it your way what are you gonna call tails heads. No, we've already established the rules, like, we just need to flip this coin, don't call it. Yeah. We've already established what means what.
1: Remind me what the context of this was, I don't remember it that well.
0: This was like, um, right, so, heads, we go after, I I don't know, maybe it's heads and tails, whatever, like, one side, either we go after Weetabix, who's been taken by the Bentiads. Oh, yeah. Or we go and rescue Romana, and, um... And it's like, oh, so heads we rescue Romana, tails we go after Weecebix, let's say. Like, so what do you think we're going to do? Tails, heads. No, y- at this point, you don't call anything. So <laughs> <laughs> they not end up splitting up anyway? Yeah, is, they is this when
1: Moolah goes off with K-9? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So I- in essence, fun scene didn't really yeah. make sense to me, but I, I, I still loved it. And the silliness of it also, again, Douglas Adamsy <laughs> love it. How do you feel about K-9? Kanan is well used in this one.
1: He is. He's def- well, I, I think well used. Yeah. He, he appears a lot and is key to the success. Yeah. Pun not entirely intended.
0: He <laughs> gets so much screen time, is part of a few gags, yeah. gets an action sequence as well, which maybe well, in fact, yeah, you said earlier I wholeheartedly agree, lasted way too long. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Do you like the Whoever canine is with is master or mistress.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't
1: actually. Yeah, I wasn't too sure about that either.
0: He refers to the doctor as the doctor master or the master doctor. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I think I missed that. But you're right, because he refers to not Weetabix. As master, but um, I think he refers to Romana's master.
1: Oh, I think she's mistress. Mistress, okay. Yeah, but I think Mula was mistress as well. Oh, okay. And I, yeah, d- that's
0: no. You just met these people, yeah. canine. Like, you don't know what they're like. Like
1: I get that he's just polite, and maybe that is a bit of a dog thing. Is like a dog just loves whoever is walking it, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, but a dog is also really loyal. And yeah, I
1: think mean, that's the thing. Is like you could do with another term of endearment to use for the yeah the passersby, not the. Yeah. Not the Doctor and his companion.
0: But overall, loved K-9. Yeah. I was expecting, I mean, not just in this era, in general, when K-9 came into the picture, I was expecting to really dislike him. Me too, yeah. Like, throughout, K-9's run.
1: Yeah. Like, K-9 pilots an air car to to come and find everyone. I know. Yeah. What a dude. He's like a useful third companion. Mm. yeah. (laughs) And it gives opportunity for the, the writing to sometimes have... The actual companion have a companion, or the companion of the week have a companion.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Which I think would be hard to do, be it just a a humanoid person, you know. I know because they're not that subservient. It's it's good that he's a tool plus, you know, it is very useful. But a lot of the comedy and the fun orbits around him as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Are you listening, Ryan Yaz and Graham? <laughs> <laughs> Youch. <laughs> <laughs> One or two quick observations each, uh, pre-ratings.
1: Okay, what you got?
0: I like that there's a bog standards fire extinguisher in one scene. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Why do they have Earth fire extinguishers on this planet? I don't know. Love it. I'm on board.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I liked Doc telling the story of how Isaac Newton discovered gravity. Nice, yes. Uh, And it turns out isaac Nishin didn't
0: discover gravity <laughs> yeah, the doc <laughs> told him oh but didn't <laughs> yeah that's good i really enjoyed that the sonic didn't work when the doctor tried to open the door oh. then he tries a hairpin and it may work or maybe it doesn't work we don't know yeah Felt like it didn't work, but I'm not sure. And someone opened it from yeah. the inside, you mean? Yeah. By the way, I'm glad that he tries the Sonic because he just thinks arrogantly, <laughs> let me do this for you. Yeah. And he whips out, and I, it really felt like this is going to be the new who way of, I'm going to Sonic this because it opens every door and it doesn't work.
1: Yeah. It's good. Nice. I liked the literal spanner in the works. <gasps> yeah. Especially the, uh, the. What do we do with the it? Men- yeah, the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well what do we do with this spanner? <laughs> and Singh saying, "Hits it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really good, <laughs> and that's what they do, <laughs> yeah, and it works. Um, I wasn't expecting it to explode when you hit <laughs> hit a console
0: with a spanner,
1: but hey, it did the job.
0: <laughs> well, if you're gonna have a conveniently placed spanner just lying on the floor, then <laughs> yeah, <indeed. laughs> why wouldn't it?
1: Well, I, I took it. The implication was Doc had memorized the layout of that entire yes. room, and it's like, okay, so there's a spanner to the in, and you pick, <laughs> pick that up in your mind, and you go past that machine, then that machine, then that machine. Now what?
0: Just hits. whack it against <laughs> <Yeah>. anything. <laughs> yeah. find something that's blinking and make it not blink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we love or hate this? Bing bong, bing bang. Hey la 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 la. Ratings, you or me? In fact, heads or tails.
1: <laughs> Wait, is this a genuine heads or tails? Uh, I don't have a coin on me. I do.
0: Oh sweet. Do you have a coin with two heads on it?
1: There's the head. Okay. There's the tails. Okay. Which one do you want? Tails. It is heads.
0: Okay. Does that mean What that- does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is why they called it.
1: <laughs> okay. Heads it's you, tails is me.
0: All right. Let's do it again. It's heads. <laughs> so that's me? Okay. I thought this was occasionally rip roaringly Adam Zian, but unfortunately, it wasn't quite as madcap as I'd have liked. I think I would have enjoyed the pre toned down version of the serial more. Yeah. Yeah. But as it stands, I still had a laugh watching it. The Captain is such a Scooby-Doo villain, so much so in fact that I don't quite know how to raise him. Overall, I think I really liked him. Uh, He's uh, a a (laughs) (laughs) cuckoo-bananas-bad-guy-turned-sad-misunderstood-henchman. There's there's some complex psychology there that doesn't really get explored, but I enjoyed him largely for the, the humorous elements. I didn't really fancy the character of the young queen all that much, I must say. I don't think she was particularly well-written or particularly well-fleshed <clears throat> out, being a hologram. But overall, like you know, mainly it's because we don't find out about her motivations. I mean, not beyond wanting to live forever. And, and how was she going to become corporeal? And how did she freeze herself at the last moment of life without dying whilst giving the order to turn on the time down. Like, I, I don't know, I don't understand how any of that worked. I mean, I, I want to know more about this civilization, I think. I, I want to know some more, at least get more hints about their backstory. I also felt really bad for the lady who played the old queen, because she had to suffer through lines like, that's repulsive. What is it? Uh, yeah. Poor lady. Someone give her a BAFTA, because it takes a lot of talent to maintain a poker face during that level of abuse. <laughs> There's a bit of trivia about her, by the way. I'll just shoehorn it in here. Her name's Vi Delmar. She received an extra fee every time she had to remove her false teeth before filming. Good for you, Vi. Nice. (laughs) Alas, the sci-fi concepts in this serial, albeit full of potential, are pretty... hollow. Uh, and so paradoxically, although the humor often falls a little flat, that is really what does it for me with the, the Pirate Planet. And I'm piling on points for the humor, but I also have to mine some of those points for the lacking story, compress those points and suspend <laughs> them in a permanent state of pre-Black Hole Limbo. And I choose to think, by the way, that this is the script editor's fault entirely. Don't get me wrong, I love this serial, but I think I was expecting more It just has a very sudden ending. It clearly is not really a key to time serial. During that ending, by the way, we don't really get to see anything. There's no black hole. There's no turning off the time dams. There's no second segment of the key to time. I've given this a 3.4. Ooh. It's like, where are you going to go lower? All right. Okay. (laughs) Let's hear yours. Oh, first of all. Let's hear yours. Wait, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened to my grammar there. I apologize. (laughs)
1: First of all, thank you very much. That was a lovely little mini event. Oh, my pleasure, Jim.
0: What? <laughs> So, I think
1: from my point of view, I've got some plus points. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Quite okay. a few plus points. Yeah. In general, like on a production level, I was really enjoying this. I loved the models and the miniatures. Mm-hmm. And the full-size air car prop as well. Oh, you know, absolutely. All amazing stuff. I've already mentioned, well, most of us in general, but the locations that were shot at, really good choice of stuff. Like, it, they thought quite hard about what they needed to film and found some great places to film them. Mm-hmm they didn't stop there they built some amazing sets as well we you know we talked about this costumes i was really enjoying as well I, obviously the captain himself is incredible as a little bit kind of comic booky and i don't know you can't take it that seriously but it looks amazing yeah the officers and mr fibuli looking a bit off well nazi slash star wars empire officer like mr fibuli is a bit kind of surgeon-esque i think with his green yeah that's true you know, and yeah, loved that. I actually really like Mueller's costume as well. The sort of flowing gown over the top of a leotardy With type...
0: With embroidered diamonds or something. Uh ah, I think yeah. I missed that detail, actually. But yeah, like, there's
1: a lot of, like, of thought and effort going on to all the different levels of production in this. Um, we talked about the visual effects as well, you know, being a bit interesting. Yeah. Apart from the laser. <laughs> I actually really like the basic premise of this, that there is a hollow planet going out there and mining other planets. Like, that's a really interesting idea. Like, that seems like a Douglas Adamsy thing to me. Absolutely. Like, it takes a certain imagination to come up with these these bonkers things and then to work it into a story. And that, yeah, that was really cool. I actually, I quite enjoyed the fact that there's a twist and the Queen is the one that seems to be running the whole show. I kind of liked her, actually, as the young version, the, the nurse slash, well, Queen. She had a weird presence in a lot of scenes before we understood what was going on. And it was intriguing, and I thought this could be interesting. What's she going to turn out to be? Then you, yeah, you get enough of the hint. Like you said, the pacing of the reveal is right. There's a few things kind of slowly breadcrumbed through that you could start picking up on it a bit earlier. But by the time it comes to be revealed, I think most people probably have made a guess or two. And yeah, it's uh, it's the right kind of twist. I felt yeah, Doc and Romana, we said before, working together really well, settling into a dynamic that seems to really work, and it's it's full of comedy. It's full of like lovely dialogue and but individually they're going off and doing their own thing and they're being very competent in their own rights like doc doc was on good form i think in general through this and romana Mm -hmm. is establishing herself very quickly well we've we've said multiple times she could have that a lot of scenes she's in it could have been the doctor like she's that commanding of the situation and also my final plus point would have to be that parrot (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely i mean genius but uh, yeah, there's some problems with it. it. Even though we are aware of the trivia of, of the editing process, I think it felt like it had been edited as well. Like before, I read the trivia, I was starting. I I was feeling that there's something wrong with this, this storyline. You know, yeah, there are too many plot holes. There are things a bit underdeveloped, and a part of that would be, and probably the biggest part of that, the companions of the week are <clears throat> weak. <laughs> You know, the the Romulus Rebus, the is I don't know, all the people we couldn't remember the names of. We Mueller. <laughs> they didn't quite fit in with everything else, and it was just, I don't really care. The fact that one of them ends up part of the massive telepathic cult, it was just like, oh, is that you? Oh, that's that guy. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Who cared? And yeah, the other part of that, which is maybe not to do with the editing, but at least the the placing of it in amongst the bigger story, is like the arc story is not here. It you are absolutely right, Leon. It's it's half-assed mentioned in in a few places. It's
0: material. It's just it's repurposed.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a big deal because they're setting up this entire series hmm. to be this one big arc, and you have to keep that going otherwise people are going to get fed up. It's like oh right, oh yeah, oh yeah, the key to time. Yeah, you got that in there somehow. Well, well done. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, another minus point, which I feel a bit bad mentioning in a way, but I genuinely wrote a note at one point. Does the doc have herpes? Because he has... Uh, a.
0: Well, this is the same thing that we talked about. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, this is no, the same I... thing that we talked about in the last serial.
1: I'd, I'd forgotten your mentioning of it, but this is the the fact that Tom Baker got bitten by a dog.
0: Yeah, belonging to the chap who played the Graf Vinda K. Uh, right. I can't remember his name now, the actor's name, but...
1: Yeah. Something about him... Trying to offer it a sausage in his mouth
0: or something. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. oh, I hadn't read that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, so apparently the, the TARDIS bumping around at the start and him basically kind of biting his lip a ah, bit on the console. I see what yeah. This, yeah, yeah.
0: It's the equivalent of the like, ice cave in Empire.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like there must be makeup that's good enough to hide that kind of stuff and and i i didn't pick up on it but i've seen reference to the fact that there is continuity errors galore with this like in some scenes it is covered up in some scenes it's not and, oh, okay um which just it's, it's a slightly negative point that you know they, they couldn't like, it doesn't seem like that severe a cut. maybe maybe i'm doing him a, a disservice and the, and the, the makeup artist at the service maybe there was you know a really serious mark on his face that was really hard to cover but it seemed like it wasn't that no. big a thing and yeah and it, the one little knocking of a console didn't seem big enough to really justify the fact that your main they character they didn't really is, make
0: a deal out of it either he no. doesn't stumble around holding his face
1: exactly like just a little bit extra like your reference to to hoth and the the monster yeah like there's an entire scene of luke recovering from that and a uh, uh, back to tank and you know he's like on death's door you know yeah exactly so yeah you're welcome to <laughs> There's nothing negative around that as well. But I think generally, yes, the positives are outweighing the negatives. There are niggly things here and there. It's a good thing. It's not a great thing. So I'm in the right kind of ballpark with you. I think I was enjoying a bit more, but I think I've actually talked myself down a bit and I've listened to yours now and I've talked myself oh, down I'm a sorry. bit more. And I was going to go with 3.8. I'm thinking I'm dialing it back a bit just to a 3.6. <sighs> oh,
0: 3.6. I feel like I was really harsh, actually. not with my rating, I'm, gonna, I'm sticking with my 3.4, but I really want to. I want to echo every positive thing that you just said, except for the Queen because I feel like she was underwritten. But but yeah. Maybe I just liked her boots. Tom Baker, Romana, the Queen's boots, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic stuff. Can I add, by the way, I used to live really, really close to two former places where Douglas Adams lived. Uh I lived in Islington for a a good few years, and uh, actually my whole time in London I lived in Islington, and at least once a year there would be an occasion to go on a Douglas Adams walk, because there Uh are I think one of the places has a blue plaque, but, um, but he lived in, like, various house shares, like, while he was working at the BBC, and also I think possibly he was a student, like, even when he was younger, I mean. He, would li- he lived in various house shares around the Islington area. And he's buried in Highgate, by the way, in Highgate Cemetery. Oh, right. There's a, if, if anyone is ever in London and you want to go to Highgate Cemetery, because it's a fantastic place, it's a really, really interesting cemetery, visit Douglas Adams and bring a pen, because people don't leave flowers, they leave pens. This is a thing done with... Is this just writers in general? Because I feel like there's... Oh, is it? Another grave where people... I don't know. I've endless. I've only ever seen that with his grave. Uh. But maybe you're right. Anyway. Oh, what a chap.
1: Yes. What a chap indeed.
0: Yes, no, me, me. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Fifty or it would get out of hand.
1: So we have one listener mini. Indeed a rooney. So far, there's a possibility of some futuring some of us because we've done this at a little short notice.
0: Yeah, I mean no notice. I'm so sorry, Podcast Land. I didn't update the website, I didn't put anything on Twitter or Facebook. I apologize.
1: But we do have one in from Christaps Paddock. What up, Christaps? Hello there, chris <laughs> Christapps starts heresy to say this, but I actually don't like this story that much. Hmm. It's Douglas Adams, and there are jokes, but it's not really that funny. Ah. Also, the anarchy that would later make Hitchhikers an absurdist
0: masterpiece just comes across as chaos. The dynamics between the Captain Fibuli and the Nurse-slash-Zanxia aren't funny so much as they're cartoonish, casually abusive, and one-dimensional. For this reason, it feels a lot like a sixth Doctor story. Hmm. Curious about that. Chris continues,
1: What I will say for this story is that there's a lot to sink your teeth into here. Douglas Adams was clearly trying to write an interesting script and story, which is unfortunately more than can be said for some serials. And Chris gives this... 3.6. Three
0: point six. Ooh, that's a nice number. That's a very nice number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent rating. Excellent, mini Kristaps. Thank you very much. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, same rating, slightly different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe Kristaps has said that he will be leaving Twitter. Oh, but in case he hasn't already, you can find him at paddocknd. No doubt. <laughs> Well, there is doubt now. Because there is. <laughs> some doubt. <laughs> Not determined. Nice. <laughs> Bing bong, future Leon here again with some more listener minis. Again, apologies for not having given any notice ahead of this recording, but given the current global circumstances, uh, we acted very promptly and recorded a bit of a can. So we have a couple more episodes in the can already, actually. And as and when needed, either I or we together will be future-ussing them. (laughs) Right, so back to this one. We have three more listener minis for this one. And first, out of the gate, we have Peter Zunich. The Zudemeister. Hello, Peter. Peter says, The Doctor himself says it better with the last line of this story. That was very satisfying. One of the most watched episodes, and it never gets boring for me. It is perhaps the quintessential Douglas Adams-esque story, with absurd comedic moments, all arrived at rather logically, showing just how twisted a serious moment is. Tom Baker is in perfect form here, and the Doctor is in control of everything from the moment they land on the planet to the moment he blows up the bridge. At every step, he's out-thunk everyone. By so many steps, he might as well have been Sylvester McCoy. The concepts are mind-blowing, and the sets are eye-catching, but as is often the case, it's the characters and performers that drive the story over the top. Fibuli's scene-stealing subtlety is so brilliant, it can only be offset by the blustering, over-the-top, scene-stealing performance of the Captain. Just when you thought you had figured out all there is to know, the character appearing first as a simple and meagre aide turns out to be the most over-the-top baddie of them all. It could be said that Romana and K9 are left a little bit in the dust, but even they have their moments and Mary Tam's combination of innocence and level-headedness enables her to shine in scenes when no one else is even talking. Moons of madness, how I love this story, (laughs) says Peter Zunich. It gets a long live the queen, 4.9. Holy moly, Peter, that is a seriously high rating. Love it, loving it. Thank you very much. Excellent, Mini, as always. Next up, we've got Michael Ridgway. Ridgway. No, it's not as much fun to do that on my own. Michael starts with some likes. The loony nutjob captain, hilarious yet scarily insane. Not unlike a certain candy-coated villain who faces off against the SEVENTH DOCTOR. Next like, the wacky plot. The predatory planet was a great concept, but it got even weirder with the Mentiads. Shrunken planets and a mad queen in a time bubble. I gather Mr. Adams is now on the production team. (laughs) You gather correctly, sir. Next like, the killer robot Paris and its duel with K9. Great cliffhangers, particularly the doctor walking the plank. Yeah, I like that one. Great sets. You see that underworld? A real cave. (laughs) Burn. Nice one. And last like, bring out the gimp-clad baddies. Again. Michael then lines up a few beefs. First beef. (laughs) Sorry about that. First beef. Wait a minute. If all it took to trash the bridge was to tap a console with a spanner, why didn't our heroes do that in the first place? Oh yeah, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> Next beef, how was this story resolved again? It felt like it was wrapped up in minutes. I wanted to see the old hag-mad queen wake for her final moments. And last beef, if the pirate planet hadn't taken Calufrax, how would the Doctor and Romana have secured the fragment, given it was a massive planet and presumably populated. Was it though? I have a feeling that uh, the Doctor says something along the lines of it being really cold, inhospitable and uninhabited, but I may very well be mistaken. The fact that it was absolutely massive though, that is already a... <laughs> that's an argument against this having been a good plan in the first place. <laughs> Michael continues with, in summary, ridiculous, highly entertaining insanity, and he gives this a rating of 44 out of five, gimp-foot soldiers being tricked with jelly babies, mentally mauled by mentiads, zapped with guns, crushed with rocks, flung down moving walkways, and blown up. Oh yeah, this is a seriously violent serial. <laughs> Loving it? A masterful mini, as always, Michael. People who are not Michael. You should give Michael a standing ovation on Twitter. He can be found at bad movie club. Now imagine that those silences were filled in... By Jim saying underscore. Nice one. Thank you, Michael. Next up, we've got Paul Warren. Hello, Paul. Paul starts 30 seconds into the pirate planet, and it's clear that this is a Douglas Adams story. From the captain's dialogue, by all the x ray storms of Vega, where is this nincompoop? Where is that nincompoop? So the interactions between the Doctor and K9, there's a very hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy feel. Oh, yes, couldn't agree more. Romana is full of sass in this story and seems more confident than in the Ribos operation. Oh, apologies. That's Reboss operation. (laughs) Sorry. I like how she verbally spars with the Doctor and the way she suggests that the Captain should listen to him if you have the stamina. She gets plenty of agency, solves problems, casually guns down a guard, (laughs) oh yeah, and executes a perfect TARDIS landing on her first attempt. Quite a contrast to some other female companions. The captain's guards, on the other hand, are a strong contender for worst shots of Classic (laughs) Who. Combined with the captain executing one of them every time he loses his temper means it's a wonder there are any left. I adore the robot parrot, though, and would like one myself. But it does look cute rather than terrifying. Overall, this is another hilarious story with over-the-top acting, a novel enemy, and some quotable dialogue. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm off to bleach the bones of my enemies! but not before awarding this a 3.5 out of 5. (laughs) Holy moly. Loving it, Paul. That is some seriously juicy stuff. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, People who are not Paul, please say hi to Paul on Twitter. He can be found at P-Wearing. That is P-Wearing. Thank you again. And thank you everyone who sent something in for this. Okie dokie. Now let's get back to the show. Bing bong. Well, writer Rooney and Cheesecakes, this was, not counting our episode 000, this was our 299th episode. Wow. Which means that the next time, we will be celebrating our 300th episode with a bonus episode, namely the 300th episode, State of the Hoonian Extravaganza.
1: That is Drew's lovely gift to yeah. us, the State of the State Hoonian. of the Hoonian is incredible. I must say, after Clever. after having read how that's written, mm. I will be referring to it as the... honian Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I want to read it like that as well. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Maybe put an extra O in there. Yeah, maybe. Poonion. Yeah, so that's coming up. We are going to be talking about not just having done 300 episodes of this uh, podcast, but what's happening in in uh, new Who, in current Who, contemporary yeah. Who, which is uh, it's a conversation I'm really looking forward to having. Me too. Especially since we pre-recording realized Jim and Marie have now caught up. And we might have different opinions. We have very different opinions. <laughs> this is going to be a hot debate. But Fred, no, that's not all. After that, we are back in New Who territory with... Mummy on the Orient Express. correct, Abundo. After which, we're going into classic country with C-100. Whoa, it's all about those centenaries. Yes, exactly. (laughs) With the stones of blood. Oh, that's very ominous. Exciting stuff. Ooh, I'm going to guess one of the stones Is a key to timepiece <laughs> And it's red Or pre- precious in some way <laughs> Yeah, exactly <laughs> And if at some point we do an audiobook review Which I'm sure we will It will be a double feature In fact, we'll review Deimos and the Resurrection of Mars Ooh. Both at once Nice. And in the meantime, you can say hello to us, I believe uh, Jim, are you on the old Tweeties?
1: I am I'm not quitting that just yet anyway Oh, okay. You can find me at Jimmy the
0: Who. Now, did you say Jimmy the Who? That's very well heard. All yes. right. Just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> you can say hello to me as well. High five me online. I will high five you right back. You just need to spell it correctly. I'm at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-E-N.
1: There's a silent exit at the start.
0: no. Oh, no. <laughs> you're like the weeping angels of twitter shout outs (laughs) taking away the potential twitter followers fret not you know what you're not missing out on much i never tweet (laughs) (laughs) but you have been a lovely audience oh my god so lovely oh thank you so much for listening please be right next to each other rock on and cha ciao. see ya And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your rebels in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha-chao. Who back when?